Good morning, afternoon, evening, night, whatever time it might be. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Trozo Podcast presented by TheSwathReport.com. I'm your host, Jonathan Goodall, a.k.a. Dreji Smooth. I come on here this afternoon in a fantastic You're going to say, Smooth, we lost the game, right? We fell to one and three. Why are you in such a good mood? I tell I will tell you exactly why I'm in such 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 good mood. If you were there, there seemed to be a good amount of shows there. Or if you were like me, you were watching online. With Emporia State, the number eleven team in the country at home took that final knee. You thought they had just won a championship. And you know why that was the case? Because they know they should they were on the brink of losing that game. If a few plays go the other way, Emporia is losing that game. And I, I, we made the number 11 team in the country and a very tough place to play, sweat for four quarters. And I guarantee you they did not anticipate the following. Brandon Gleason getting put on the ground more than he has been the whole season. The, the Emporia defense getting carved up through the air and on the ground almost 600 yards. They did not anticipate UCO coming out and playing the closest thing to four quarters that we have seen all season. They did not anticipate UCO's defense clamping down in the fourth, giving that team a chance to win. I can guarantee you for a fact, they did not anticipate UCO being able to score two touchdowns in two minutes' time. What UCO went out there and did, okay, is they we saw probably the closest thing we've seen to the full potential of this team, and I'm telling you right now, I, Emporia does not want to see UCO again. I can get, I guarantee you, because if a few of those deep shots connect, okay, if we don't have the 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 red zone interception before the half, I'm telling you, this is a different ball game. I come on here very, very, very encouraged about what I saw. From an offensive execution standpoint, yes, there are things that we need to fix. But you, this is why UCO was getting preseason votes in a top 25. Because this is a scary ball club, right? We've seen it in sports. We saw it in the first half against Curry, right? We saw it in the second half last week. We, we've seen, we almost saw it for four quarters today. I get the fact we we fell to one and three. I I, true, I get it. It's unfortunate. This is not the position that we had thought or want to be in. Okay, but we're seeing improvements every week. If you had if you had told me before this game, you should put up almost six hundred yards of offense against one of the best teams in the country. I would have called you a liar. Okay, especially the fact we have Dawson Hurl, the Missouri Southern grad transfer making his first career start in a UCL uniform. I, when may you recall when he signed, I said, if you remember Keith Calhoun in 2021, that's what you're going to get out of Dawson Hurl. And we got exactly that because Dawson did everything he could to help the team win. I know he had two interceptions. To me, he just had the one, okay, because the, the last one was the fourth down in the winning moments of the fourth where he had to just try to make a make a play. Okay. 
I saw outside of the interception in the end zone where to me he kind of forced it. He had he had a well of a game. You have to you have you have to give this man credit because I did not expect him to start the game. Uh, I I know employee did not expect him to start to, to start the game. Okay. I, however, I was expecting him to play in the in the game because I know Coach Doyle the past few weeks has not been pleased with the past game as a whole. So I figured there'd be a good chance that if if Steph was not executing the way that he wanted, we would see Dawson Hill. I was not expecting Dawson Hill to come on the start. But I can tell you this right now. That I can t- I give my hat off to the whole offense. I, I give my hat off. You got because you know how tough it probably was for Coach Doyle. We talked to him. We know he's a run-first guy. He's a long, sustained drive. Run it down your throats. Run it downhill. Okay. I know it had to be hard for him in some regard to come out the gates passing and, and opening it up. But when we said last week, right, we saw what happened when they came out in the second half and they opened it up. Right. They came out passing to open up the run game, and we saw it to great success. Trayvon Wolford had his best day in a UCL uniform, uh, which is saying a lot because this man so far in four games has been more than more than more than advertised. I I I had heard good things about Trayvon. I'm telling you, I did not expect this. Okay, uh, we see we're now seeing right why the receiving core was held in such high regard. We had Terrell Davis, fantastic four games of the season. I have to give this man credit. As you know, last year I said there were glimpses, right? You put on a few games, and you're like, hey, Terrell is close. He put on some other games, and the man is nowhere to be to be to be found. This man, this season, especially the past three 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 games, has looked really good. Had his first hundred yard game today. He had two really good kick returns. Okay, I, this is what <clears throat> I was expecting to see out of Terrell when he came out of Charlton. Okay, that's a very good sign. That's a very good sign. Okay, we see Jacob Delso now, second straight, solid, solid game, which is very good. We know what he can do. He was the team's leading receiver last year. He had a slow start. I'm glad to see him pick up. Christian Romero, I, I did not know what to expect when he signed because, again, the tape was mainly him in practice. He has looked better than advertised. We've getting Madison back. There was, I think, one or two deep shots to Madison. One was a touchdown. It, it, it granted the ball was not thrown the best. I know there was 18 mile an hour wins from the north, which makes Dawson's performance even more impressive if you think about it. Um, but it was good to see. It was good to see. Him going down the field, down the middle. You put on that Fort Hayes tape last year. That's where he feasted, okay? Like, you could see, you saw progress, right? We saw Oscar Hammond. He got his second touchdown of the season. We saw more of the weapons, right? We saw Darius Melton. I think it was Darius Melton. Uh, he got his first touchdown. I think it was either him or Tariq Logan that they, they used some at running back. We saw some creativity there. I have to give Coach Doyle and that staff credit for looking in the mirror. Because, again, it's very tough. If you're Coach Doyle, you won national championships. 
with the philosophy that we saw last season that we've seen for the, for the majority of at least one half, if not a full game this season, okay? And I know it that was not easy to kind of deviate from that. But I appreciate that because that's what I feel like that's going to give UCL the best success. There's no reason why UCL, we put up, I think it was, what, 560-some-odd yards when we took the numbers. There's no reason why we can't average at least 350, uh, 400 a game. Like, this is the number 11 team in the country. And I know we said last week they beat two of the lucrative teams in the conference. I, 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 I get that. It is what it is. And we know Northwest Missouri is down. But the fact that they went, when they, did, they, did they go to Maryville? Regardless, they still beat them by 20 points. You know, you know how hard it is to beat? Missouri Western by more than a more than a single score. They won that game by 20 points for six interceptions. Okay. And I, I I'm telling you right now, I'm telling you right now, if you see if we if you still can build off this, okay, we can hit more of the deep shot. I think we only hit one true deep shot. That was a Christian Romero. It's a fantastic catch. Okay, if we can connect on more of those deep balls that's there, we continue the 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 uh, pace, okay? Because we, we I think we did a good job of mixing it up between going tempo and going slow. We still had some sustained drive, okay? Like, it's, uh, the, I, this is the way the offense needs to work for the remainder of the season, okay? Because I'm telling you right now, if that's the case, at least offensively, UCO could win a lot of football games. I said the beginning of the season, there's no reason why UCO can't average a minimum of four touchdowns again. They were able to restart offensively for what the second time this season, right? Because I'm not counting Kearney because JK Moore had one of the touchdowns. So, like that's what that's what that's what I'm saying. It, this would be how the offense should look week in and week out because there's too many weapons for that to not be the case. You also had to get credit to the offensive line because they did a well of a job. I know there were two sacks. To me, they were both covered sacks. Dawson had time. He was able to, to scramble. I know he scrambled for a touchdown run there. You have to give the offensive line credit. Uh, there have been some shuffling that I did not see. I give Noah Dobson credit. There was not a false start on Noah. There was not a hold on Noah. I, I don't honestly remember if there was even a holding call on the offensive line. This is probably the best game of the season, and I have to give those guys credit. Lane, Kamen, um, Montrell, Noah, whether Cooper McCoy, whoever took a snap on the offensive line, I, I sincerely give you credit because Emporia, that's a good defense. That's a big front. Okay? And, and I said they had to bring the A game and they brought the A game. I thoroughly give them credit on that, on that, on that front. Defensively, okay, I give them credit for the way that they that they continued to fight in the fourth. They had two big stops. Yes, you, you could say the was just running the football. 
Emporia had just had a 58-yard touchdown run, okay, early on in the fourth quarter. Okay, so it wasn't like that they still did a better job of stopping when they had to. Okay, and I tell you right now, Emporia, after UCO got that second stop, you could see the nerves start to creep up more than it had been. When they got that touchdown, they for sure creeping up, okay? Um, and then when they got the stop after they didn't get the onside kick, no, we didn't. Yeah, well, we didn't get. The, yeah, like they still like that. That's the that they were they were literally sweating that whole time until the clock hit triple zero. Now I know defensively, okay, we we still we still got to improve the secondary, and, and at this point, I don't know. If we have the answers on the roster, we got to call it what it is. I love the guy's death, but it is what it is. We can't be game four, okay? And we still allow, what, 57 yard touchdown pass, 78 yard touchdown pass. We, we can't be having that, okay? We can't be having Monte got cooked. We got to call it what it is. Got cooked for one of the deep touchdowns. Uh, Kai Sean, again, I just. I noticed they finally pulled the plug on the man. I, again, much respect for Kaishan. I, I really do. But the fact of the matter, he's not getting the job done. He had, he's, he had several bad games in a row. They put in the true freshman, Cam Manahan, the highly regarded three-star in Lubbock, Texas. Okay, They put him in, I know, and uh, he was rotating in there. And I think it was either late in the first half. I know for a fact the whole second half, he was out there a lot. I was very impressed. I get there was there was a few times where Braden Gleason was trying to go at the at the man and and again, if you're a veteran quarterback, you you know that there's a true freshman corner in there. You probably would, would do the same thing. That man more than held his own. I'm telling you right now, that Cam Manahan has the makings of being UCL's best corner since Kobe Underwood. And if you were here in 2018, 2019, you know how good Kobe Underwood was. Yeah, I can Manahan has the potential to be to be better. Uh it, it, even than Kobe Kobe Underwood was. Okay. So that makes it even more imperative here that we find another corner opposite that. Okay, because here's the thing. Right. is not consistent at this point, right? Like he he did good last week, did bad this week, right? I felt like against Kearney, he was solid, but again, it's Kearney. TJ Davis was not the best, not, not the best passer. Got cooked against Central Missouri, right? That I know we had Jamori Ray was out there. I thought Jamori, I thought Jamori was, I thought he was the best corner against Central Missouri, not named J.K. Moore. I, I think he had an all right game last week. I uh, was not the best this week, probably the worst of his season. Uh, again, I don't know what's going on with Kobe Stevens. It just, I don't know if, again, like I said last week, if if safety is the right move. I don't know because, we're, because the level of play we're getting out of Kobe right now is not the Kobe Stevens that we've come to know and love. And it's just... It saddens me because I know Kobe is a fantastic player, and, but like he, we're letting he's letting people cross his face. I don't know. 
Like it's just not. He's seems like he's playing a step behind. Like it's this isn't the same Kobe Stevens that we see. And I don't know what is going on in that regard, in that area. Okay, but that does concern me because Kobe's an all conference level guy and he's not playing like it right now. And that's really hurting us because we're already down one of the best cities in the conference in Dylan Buckhide. Like we need we need our proven playmakers like Kobe to step up and right now that's not happening. And that's really hurting because Raekwon Wicks he had a very good pass breakup. I think he had one last week, right? We we know we know what Raekwon can do. I was very pleased with Mosley. He should have had an interception. We're gonna be honest here. He should have should have had an interception. Uh, it truly was, was unfortunate. I have to give him credit though. In terms of coverage, by far the most improved player in the secondary. Uh, when we go back last year, I said he was very good against the, against the run. Felt like he was more reliability in pass coverage. Honestly, if if we being honest. I mean, he's got to be what? Like one of the best cover guys so far this season. Uh, I've been very pleased with, with what I've seen out of Mosley. He's still really good against the run, but now he's solid against the pass where I feel more comfortable with him being out there for all three downs compared to last year where I felt like on an obvious passing down, he might have been more of a li- liability. Uh, so I have to give him him credit out there. I think... I don't know if Tavis played. I know Thomas Webb was out there, and then Jalik was out there. J.K. had his worst game of the season. We got to call it what it is. I think he gave up, I know, one of the touchdowns. Um, it, yeah, it just, it it it, it was, yeah, it's by far his worst was, was during the season. We got to get that fixed, okay, because there were several plays, even the old man pointed it out, the defensive line front seven didn't even get a chance to really apply pressure because the man was so wide open. Like we can't, we can't have that. We just, we just cannot have that. Uh, Missouri Southern, I, I haven't looked at they at their at their their numbers. They they never wow you. I mean, they did in twenty nineteen when they had um. The, the coach of Last Chance U from Garden City was Jeff Sims. I, I, I don't think that's his name, but whatever his name is. And they had Jacob Park, the former Georgia and Iowa State quarterback, and they threw the ball a bunch. That was the last time offensively that Missouri Southern really wowed you. What Missouri Southern is is a tough, hard-nosed football team that, that plays disciplined football. They execute at a high level, okay? And, and they win. It's like, Watching Kansas State, that that that's probably the best. But if you watch Kansas State, right, it's not it's not necessarily pretty, right? It's not really explosive a lot of the time, but it's very effective and it's winning football. It's kind of what you're going to be getting out of Missouri Southern. So we we need to get that fixed. Like I and I don't I don't know if the answer is at this point is on the team. We gotta do some shuffling around. I do not know, but we can't have that continue for the rest of the season because. Uh, it it's it, it pretty much renders what the front seven does null and void. Unless the front seven is able to do like what Zion Bell did when he got the sack and shout to Zion Bell for getting his first sack of the season, then that's the first sack in a UCL uniform for the man. So shout out there to uh, Zion Bell. Or what Connor Johnson did, he had a few pass rushes. Noah West had a few pass rushes. 
unless they come off clean, okay, I, I'm mighty concerned the front seven not going to have time more times than not to affect the pass. Okay, I thought the run defense, yeah, right, we gave up, what, a 58-yard touchdown run. Like, I, I, there were there were several runs in the game that it, it normally does not occur. I, I will say the, the past two weeks, the run defense has not been good. Um, I, it was very inconsistent today. I, I would, I, I would go out today. Yesterday, Billy Ross had a buck 57 rushing. Again, he had several big runs. I, we got to get that fixed too, because that's just, we like, we, we can't, do good for, I don't know, three, four plays on the ground, and then we give up like a 20, 30, 40-yard run. That kind of seems to be where we're headed. Um, I, I I felt like they ran. Yeah, I mean, they got to the outside too. We, we still got to get a better job there. I, it, it, I was not impressed by the run defense. I thought the pass rush was solid. Uh, Johnny Wilson was getting back there. I know uh, Hunter was getting getting back there. It uh, again, again, there's only so much you can do when guys are just wide open. Uh, I, I, it, it's tough because yes, they allowed 38 points. That's not good. Okay, uh, again, of course, that's a very good football team, but we we've got to we've got to tighten some things up there defensively. Uh, Missouri Southern is not to that that degree offensively, uh, but the fact that we did hold Brandon Gleason to under 300 yards passing is very impressive. And the Southern has the first time this season. Well, take that back because I don't know if he had it against North Northeastern State, but like we 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 for sure made him the most uncomfortable that he's been the whole season, uh, which is saying which is saying a lot. But again, we can't have the best receiver get a like buck 47 like three touchdowns. Like we. We just cannot do that, uh, and that's something that we've, that we've got to see improvements on moving moving forward. If we're looking offensively at the negatives, but there was a few deep shots that we missed, and, and, and this has been a, a a a a problem the majority of the season. I think there was one, another was at least one originally. It might have been two. There's one that dealt. So, like, we're so close to hitting on these. And we had this problem last year, I felt like, early on, right? Missouri Western, we missed two deep touchdown passes, right? I felt like we didn't start hitting those consistently until about midseason, about where we're at now. Uh, the fact that we was able to hit one of Christian Romero, I think, is a very good sign. Uh, we, we've been able to get some big catch and runs. We're able to get some... Uh, intermediate passes, but that true deep shot, and it was there. Like, that's the thing. It's, it's there. We just got to hit those. Like, that, to me, is the one negative. Well, outside of the fact that before the half, we threw the uh, the, the interception in the, in the in the red zone. At least could have gotten a field goal out of that drive. The, those two, to me, are the biggest negative. Um I think we went for it on what was it fourth down again, and we tried to run again, like, and we we see we see they had the box stack. That and there's no disrespect to Andrew Carney, love the guy to death, 
I don't know how many former quarterbacks can come in as a true freshman and play fullback and probably the most physical conference in D2 football. But why is Trayvon Wolford not running the ball there? Like, we're, we're talking about a 220-some-odd-pound man, absolute unit, rarely goes down on first contact. I don't think he would have even gotten it, to be honest with you there, because Emporia literally had, like, all 11 men just right, 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 right there. Uh, but, like, still, why was he not in there? That That's, like, the one question I have. Outside of that, I was perfectly fine with the play call. I thought we did a good job mixing it up. Um, and I think I think that you definitely saw Trayvon benefit from it. I think you saw the ground game benefit from it. And 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 again, in terms of negatives, offensively, that would that probably would be would be it. Outside of the fact that in the, in the third, we got to finish a few more drives. But like. The defense only allowed seven points in the third quarter. So uh, you kind of even that out because, again, if UCO scores a touchdown before the half, then it pretty much cancels out and you're still kind of at an even ball game heading, heading into the fourth. Uh, so there's a lot of positives. But getting it here is there's a lot of positives for this team to build off of. There were the return game, the kick return game outside of the muff by I think it was Terrell. Outside of the muff, um, the, the the kickoff return game was very good. Uh, the punt return game, I there was one I think it was Tariq. Uh, he was trying to make some some something happen because it was what late in the fourth at that point. But we can't we can't lose. What was it six yards on a punt return? Like going backwards. Like we gotta just get what we can get, and and and, and because we we can't again. We lost six yards. I think you still still scored on that drive. If I'm not mistaken, when we checked the uh, recap, but we still can't have that. Like that's that's just not good. Um, kickoff coverage was suspect. They almost broke one. Uh, I don't know if it was due to the fact that they muffed. The, well, they didn't muff the kick. Basically, they thought the kick was going to roll into the end zone. It died at about the two. And I don't know if UCO got out of their lanes or what, but Emporia almost broke that. It was not for, I believe it was Will Mason, the uh, the true freshman running back out of, out of uh, was it Cushing? Is it, is it Cush? Kawita? Kawita? Is it Kawita? I, I don't remember offhand. Anyways, He's the one that made the the saving tackles. So shout out, shout out for him. Uh, that might be too. I guess we're at the point now. I know I saw Reese was out there. Reese Roller. So at this point, he's past the the, the three game mark. I, I'm trying to remember who all is on special team. I know there's a few that have passed the uh, three game cutoff to reserve a red shirt. Not surprised there are a few. So um, just keep an eye on that. I think Will still has another game, maybe. Maybe. I'm not entirely sure right now. I have to go back and look more intently. But, um, yeah, so just, I just keep an eye on that because I think there are now a few freshmen that have officially uh, burned their red shirt ability. So I want to go ahead and get into the recap portion here. UCO would win the coin toss, and as always, they would defer. Uh, Emporia, they return the opening kickoff to the 46. Again, we got to get that fake. We can't be having people 
almost getting to the ball in plus territory. On the second play, they had a 30-plus yard run. I thought, oh, boy, we're about to get ran on. But then the defense buckled down. Noah West had a great pass rush. And then there was a third down pass break up by Cam Manahan, holding Emporia to a 21-yard field goal, making it 3 to nothing at the 12.57 mark. Then Dawson would get to start the surprise of everybody. Uh, he they led a few first downs before the drive ended up ended in a punt uh, after a deep shot to Adelso that should again like, it was wide open that might have been a touchdown again it's like I don't know if that that was the win too because again there's 18 mile per hour wins I it seems like every road game UCO plays and I get it I know the region that that we're in obviously there's high wins here but like. It, Every road game, at least last year, it seemed like there was absurdly high wins. I just <laughs> was hoping that was not going to be the case this year. Um, and then Malachi Gatewood, uh, he had a first down. He had a first down. It was a drag route, nothing but green turf, and he dropped the ball. Uh, however, David Vargas, again, I say this every week. I'm going to say it again. I'm going to say it to the cows come home. <clears throat> I don't know what Swasu did to fumble the bag, but I greatly appreciate it. Uh, <laughs> he had to punt down to the Emporia 15. Uh, unfortunately, Emporia was scoring that drive. They converted two third downs on slams against Kobe again. Just I don't know. I I just I I I don't know. I just don't know what's going on there. Uh, they were scoring TV on a busted coverage to the H back. I mean, he was wide open in the middle of the field. I don't know if he leaked out and no one picked him up, but like I, he just was wide open. Like I don't know if anybody watched the OSU Iowa State game. Uh, shout out to my cousin Kendall Daniels. Led the team with ten tackles. Uh, OSU scored on a similar play. Did they score on a similar? Was it either OSU? Or, I think it was Iowa State. They were able to have a substantial gain on a similar play where the eighth back was just wide open in the middle of the of the of the of the, of the field. Uh, it's the same. It's the same thing. In a ten nothing game at the eight oh five mark. However, UCLA will get their first score of the game after Terrell Davis kickoff return to the UCO forty five. Dawson, a beautiful aerial display and some tough Trayvon Wolfwood running led to Oscar Hammond TD on an out route. Beautiful. Uh, the ball was thrown perfect. Oscar beat the man. We're going to a 10-7 game at the 452 mark off a six-play drive. So, uh, so, so, again, showing the quick strike ability of the offense that we saw last week and we saw against, was it UCM as well when they had the short field? I had to give the team credit again because last year we know they did not score on short fields often. I believe every time they've gotten a short field this year, they have scored, whether it be a touchdown or a field goal. That's marked and put right there, and you and that's how you win games. Uh, Emporia would respond on the following drive. They would get a fourth down conversion on the pass interference against Kaishan. Uh, then they got another pass interference. Uh, yeah, then another uh, pass on Kaishan um, inside the five led to a touchdown pass. Uh, the backfield is 17-7. 
at the 236 mark, the last quarter of the first quarter, it was very bad for Kasha. He was getting picked on. They were just throwing it up there against the man. Again, I, I much respect for Kasha. Uh, the second quarter, however, UCO unfortunately was not able to convert the fourth and two. I mentioned earlier how corny was Stonewall. Uh, and then UCO would, however, the defense would come up big there. They forced intentional grounding to get a quick three and out. And UCO would capitalize on that three and out after a late hit on Dawson on a great scramble. And Trayvon Wolford had a touchdown run, making it 17 to 14 at the 725 mark. However, the defense was not able to respond again. This is where UCO had a, I mean, UCO allowed the kickoff return to the 50. And then after some, some nifting running there, JK just got beat for the touchdown. And at 24 to 21 at the 421 mark, UCO would have a nice sustained drive to end the half. Got inside the red zone as where Dawson threw it behind Oscar in the end zone that was picked off, preserving a 24 to 14 lead. Again, we had plenty of time. I like we had, I know we had with like 30 something seconds left. Like there was plenty of time for us to throw the ball away. Uh, and lived to see another another down. A Oscar was covered, and Dawson threw the ball inside where the linebacker was. If he threw it to the outside, maybe there's a better chance and at least falls incomplete. But regardless, the pass shouldn't have been thrown. There's an opportunity to at least get a field goal, make it a one-score game. Um, but again, right, you're still feeling encouraged. You just hate the fact that every time UCO seemed to get some momentum there and Poya would score. Uh, so you were hoping we do what we did last week, come out the locker room in the in the third, get a touchdown, make it a three-score game. Unfortunately, they came out with three and out. The D would force a three and out of their of their own. Uh, then UCO would have a couple of first downs before having to punt again where there was some success. Couldn't finish the drive. And then Emporia was stopped after the Zion Bell sack and Manahan tackled and Mosley's near interception. However, Emporia would punt the ball down to the UCO three um, despite a big Wolfolk run to get them out of the shadow of their own end zone. They would go three and out after they passed the Ridgeway. One of the two deep shots was incomplete. Um, and then the pass to him, I think, was batted down. Emporia would take advantage finally. They would score on two plays after a 70-yard touchdown. Um, oh, yeah, with a 70-yard touchdown catch there. The beating, beating of Monte, he just got cooked. And at 31 to 14 at the 431 mark, that'd be the lone score of the third. Entering the fourth, UCO would have a great drive. However, they were turning over inside the 10 um, after a toss to Tariq Logan was short. And then they had an incomplete pass on fourth down. No clue who the target was because the cameraman, I don't know what he was, and he fell asleep at the at the wheel, but uh, the camera never panned over to the side where the ball was thrown. And at the 11-30-32 mark, Again, we got it. We have to punch it in there. If you punch it in there, 
You got a 10-point game with plenty of time to go. The remaining three-score game, uh, UCO will force a three-and-out after Rayquan Wicks had a big third-down pass breakup. This will be the punt where Logan would lose six yards on the return, catching the ball at the UCO 42 instead of the 48. UCO would have another turnover on fourth down after Melton dropped a f- dropped a first down pass on second down. I, I the ball here's the thing here's the thing because I feel like while the ball was not thrown perfect, the ball was thrown low. I feel like Darius did not come meet the ball. Even the Emporia guys said he sort of came and met the ball. He kind of just like dove for it when there was no one near him. Like he could have just taken a few steps to make the catch, right? Like that's things we have to improve on uh, because we can't, again, back-to-back fourth downs that we don't get. I forgot that we did not convert many fourth downs. Right, like you get one in the red zone. I get we had to go for it there. You could get the field goal; it wouldn't have done much. I agree with the going going for it there, right? But you got it. You have to punch it in there. Then here, there's no reason why she even got the fourth down in that scenario if Darius just comes meet the ball, right? Like that's the little things we we have to we have to fix. Now, ideally, you don't want to be down by what was it, seventeen in the fourth. To where when you get inside the 10, you have to go for it. Um, but in the cases that we do, we have to execute that. Um, Poirier would capitalize on that scoring on the first play of the drive with the aforementioned 58-yard Billy Ross touchdown uh, at the 8-minute mark, making it 38-14. to 14. So at this point, you know, you're, you're, I'm, I'm figuring, well, we 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 didn't do enough offensively in the second half. Like we had some, we had some, we had some drives. We had two in on fourth down. We had one in in the in the red zone. I was figuring at this point, it's twenty four point game. Like we're probably going to we we might see Steph in there. We probably gonna put the backups in there. I figured. However. The offense would the offense would uh would, would, would spawn a great display of passing from Dawson, led to Darius Melton's first touchdown catch in the UCO uniform. Shout out there to Darius Melton. A two point conversion run with Peyton Scott was no good. We're gonna get thirty eight to twenty game at the five fifty three mark. At this point, at this point, I I felt like if. They were able to get a quick stop. There was time to make this interesting. That's, that's exactly what they did. They had a quick three and out. Uh, Sweet Logan muffed the punt, but recovered it again. Let's, let's not. We did a good job the first three games in the punt return area in terms of at least filling the punt. We know last year that was a problem with Jamie on Dangerfield. Let's not start this. Please do not start muffing the punch. That that was a problem that I thought we had we had we had fixed. Uh, you should get the ball at their own 30 at the 419 mark. However, you should have a quick three-play drive aided by the deep pass to Christian Romero. And then a pass interference on Terrell Davis led to a Dawson touchdown run in a 38-27 game at the 322 mark. So at this point, I'm fully confident. 
because UCLA, I think, still had three timeouts. Now it's a two-score game. What The offense has momentum here. Two touchdowns in about a two-minute time, time, time span. You figured Emporia, if they recovered the onside kick, was going to be conservative. That's what happened. They recovered the onside kick, but UCO forced a three and out at the 206 mark. Uh, and so at this point, you needed you needed two scores, right? 11-point game. You needed two scores. I figured as soon as they got into Covado field goal range, you would send him out there, try to make it an eight-point game at that point, and then go for the onside. Like I said, unfortunately, though, um, after a Christian Romero first down catch was overturned, yeah, that fourth down pass was picked off at the 111 mark. Uh, and the Porter was able to take knees and escape by the hair of the Chin Chen Chen with an 11-point win at home over UCO. Looking at the numbers, offensively, UCO had 33 first downs, 215 yards rushing, and 5.5 yards carry, 363 yards passing, and a a very season high, a Coach Doral era high. Probably the most offensive yards I've seen in a football game from UCO in quite some time. 578 yards on 88 plays. Like, again, we ran 32 more plays, outgained them by over 130 some odd yards. Like, this is the offense we need to see. Right, only four punts. Right, this is the offense that we need to see. Uh, they're looking at the number six of 14 on third. Almost 50%, which is an improvement because I think we, we were dead last in the conference and third down conversions. However, all four on fourth, again, we get like it, I know we had to, out of necessity, go for it on. Three of the four attempts, okay. But all in the again in that case, we have to convert those said attempts. And then on the fourth and short, we we've got to either convert that or or not just run a dive or a sneak every time, uh, because that's 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 still a problem. I'm surprised we didn't do what we did against Kearney, where we did the whole eagle scrum, right? We just pushed the man. Uh, or we should have done what Missouri Western did against us, where they did that play action pass with the with the two tight ends, and one of them was wide open. We might have to open up the play calling there on the fourth and short. I feel like we're too predictable there. Uh, three of five in the red zone again. Got to be five of five there. We can't have the pick before the half. Uh, we were sacked two times. They're both covered sacks. Uh, three of three on PAT and zero of one on two point conversion. Looking at Emporia, only 14 first downs allowed, uh, 148 yards rushing, though, and five and a half yards of carries. It is, we can't have those big, those big runs like that. 289 passing, 437 on 56 plays, for six punts, held them to 413 on third. Fantastic, uh, and we have to. That's another not. We have to capitalize on the stops offensively. Like we seem like 
We only scored when they scored. Like, when they didn't score, we couldn't score. It's kind of been a problem, I feel like, too, somewhat. We had to capitalize more on the stops than what we had. I feel like we're getting better at that. Like, it was worse last year, I feel like. Um, we at least did that in Missouri, in parts of Missouri Western against Kearney in the first half. Against Central Missouri, I feel like some. We're getting better in that area. They continue to make up ground. There were three or three. There were uh, what did they? There were three or three in the red zone. One on one on four sack one time. Um, one on one on field goals. Looking at the individual numbers, Dawson Hurl again in his first start in the use of uniform. Twenty six of forty nine, three sixty three, two touchdowns, two picks, along with forty two sack twice. Uh, Trayvon Wolf for 21 carries, only lost one yard with 137 yards, one touchdown, along with 36, six and a half yards of carry. Trayvon Wolf for a different catch. Dawson Hurl, eight carries, 46 yards, uh, excuse me, 37 yards, 46 of 40 sacks, one touchdown, along with 13, 4.6 yards of carry. Peyton Scott, four for 20, along with 15, five yards of carry. Off they ran a jet sweep to Christian Romero. Well, I don't know if it was a sweep. It was a receiver run. Remember, they tried that last year with both Kavion and Diego Richards. It couldn't work. We got 17 yards on that. I, I know. I'm glad we got that play to work. I truly am. They <laughs> trying. We tried for like 11 games last year to get that to get, get that to work. I think this is the first time we tried it this season, I think. Maybe Terrell had a run against Central Missouri, but that's the first time we've actually hit on that. So uh, I'm glad for them on that front. Uh, one carry for 17 yards. Andrew Carney, four for six. Along with four, one and a half yards of carry. And then Tariq, one for negative two uh, when they tried to toss to him there in the red zone. Uh, the receiving-wise, Terrell Davis, first 100-yard game, shout-out there to him. Six catches, 110 yards, long of 26. Romero, three for 69, long of 42. Jacob Delso, five for 54, long of 21. There's Melton, three for 48, one touchdown, long of 23. Oscar Hammond, four for 35, one touchdown, long of 20. Dominic Dunn, 2 for 27, along with 16. Uh, Trayvon, 1 for, one for 11, along with 11. Peyton Scott, 1 for 6, along with 6. Tariq Logan, 1 for 3, along with 3. We gotta, we have to get both him and Darius going at the same time. We got to, because we, we, we can't be having them both out there and only got, what, four catches combined. Kind of need to see more out of those guys, being honest here. And then Malachi, again, he had the drop. Defensively, Kobe Stevens did lead with five tackles. It just, again, it's just the the, the coverage is just is, is just up there. Hunter Johnson, five tackles, one TFL. Uh, Mosley, four tackles, one TFL, one breakup. Again, very pleased. Jay Adams, four tackles. Hunter Largen. Four tackles, half TFL, half sack. You're trying to give. Nope. Okay. I thought Zion had the sack. Interesting. Okay. 
Uh, J.K. Moore, three tackles. Marlo Hughes, two tackles. Cam Manahan, two tackles. Should have a breakup. Zion Bell, two tackles. I believe he should have had to had this sack. Uh, Johnny Wilson, one tackle. Rayquan Wicks, one tackle, one breakup. Kyshawn, one tackle. Reed Lindsey, one tackle. Oscar Hammond, one tackle. Who's been on the inter- oh yeah, on the interception. Uh, Jack Puckett, one tackle. Jaleek Lewis, one tackle. Uh, we have Will Mason, one tackle. Makai Bell, one tackle. Noah West, one tackle. Dalton Hurd, one tackle. Yeah, that, that, that's not sounding right, at least as far as. Give him a half TFL, half sack. Yeah, I don't think so. Uh, Zachary Stillwell, one tackle. And uh, then looking, punting the ball, David Vargas. Four punts. Averaging 41 yards, you punt along a 48, one inside the 20, one touchback. Then on returns, there's Melton, two punts, negative six yards, longer one. And then on kickoffs, Terrell Davis, four for 74, longer 38. Will Mason, one for two, longer two. And then kickoffs, we had... Grayson Miller, okay, the freshman, the freshman bag of punter, okay, interesting. Uh, three kickoffs from 191 touchback, and then Covado, one for 59. Uh, so we turn our attention now to the um, three and one Missouri Southern Lions. Now, again, we take very little note of the numbers I'm about to read to you here. As they beat our dear friends down in Tahlequah, Northeastern State, 42-0. Northeastern State officially shut out for the third time in four games. I'm not, I did not realize that until I was wanting to look at the overall numbers this season. They've scored a whopping total of 17 points in the whole season that came against Kearney. Shut out against Fort Hayes, 56-0. Shut out against Emporia, 38-0. And now shut out against Missouri Southern Fort Nothing. Spoiler alert, it's going to get worse for the poor River Hawks. They have homecoming this week against Pitt State. So expect the fourth shutout in five games. I'll tell you what, when you like when you think they're making progress, it just it's just bad. It is it's it's just it's just bad, right? Like we because we Missouri Southern used to be in the same boat, right? They they've seemed to ride in the ship. You know, again, I get no interest states are rivals. Yeah, I you you never you don't really want to see them doing good, but like you want to see them competitive. Like I I don't know. I don't know. I, I like Coach Eckert a lot. Man's an alum there. I know he's doing the best he can do. It just it's just tough. It's it's very very tough down there in Tahlequah right now. Uh, looking at the numbers in that in that game, Missouri certainly had twenty one first downs, hundred fifty one yards rushing, four point two yards carry, two hundred eighty two yards passing on only seven incompletions, four hundred thirty three yards on sixty six plays, punted the ball twice. Uh, 10 of 15 on third, 1 and 2 on fourth. Only 4-6 four, in the red zone, though. And they had two sacks, 0-1 on field goals. 
Looking at Northeastern State, nine first downs, 81 yards rushing and three yards carry. Only 30 yards passing on 10 of 20 with interception. That's, that's tough. That's very, very, very tough. 111 yards of offense on 47 plays. Oh, uh, they were two and nine on third, oh three on fourth, oh one in the red zone. Looking at the individual numbers, wow! That <laughs> Northeastern State leading passer, five and nine, seventeen yards. Child, that's 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 just sad. That that's that's truly truly sad. Looking for Missouri Southern here, they played three quarterbacks. Not really surprised. Leading passer was Luke Sampson. Luke Sampson has 16 for 22, 244, two touchdowns. Leading rusher only had 30, 35 yards from Missouri Southern, though. And then I receiver with 90 yards. We'll look, we'll look more when we look at the overall stats, though. Um, because again, these, these numbers don't tell a lot when you're playing. A team of Northeastern State's calibers. We'll go ahead and get to the season numbers. Missouri Southern outscoring foes 28.5 to 16.7 points a game. Uh, they are, let's see, they're averaging 116.8 yards a game, rushing at 3.9 yards a carry with five touchdowns. Averaging. Excuse me, 249.5 yards a game passing with nine touchdowns to two picks, averaging 366.3 yards a game, converting 52% on third, 50% on fourth. They've been sacked three times. They've scored 15 touchdowns, four, six on field goals. 9 of 13 in the red zone, 8 of which being touchdowns. Have missed three extra points, though, so the kicking game could be a problem there. We could force some field goals and be able to force some empty drives in the process. Then defensively, like I said, allowing 16.75 points per game, allowing 119 rushing at 3.6 yards a game with five touchdowns. Trayvon Wolford, if we get the pass game going again, should be able to feast. Uh, looking at the pass game, allowing a buck 67.7, two touchdowns to three picks, only allowing 286.8 yards a game. Uh, so again, a very stout defense. Uh, they played Northwest, they lost by seven, then beat Washburn on the road, beat Curry, and then North Northeastern State. Wasburns now we got we gotta call it what it is. When we get into the box score, uh, you're gonna be surprised how bad they got ran on. Uh, Missouri Southern allowing 44.9% on third, 33% on fourth. They have six sacks. Okay, that's 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 actually good for them right now. These only have like two or two or three. Uh, they're allowing four or five on field goals. 11 or 13 in the red zone, seven being touchdowns. Then they quarter by quarter, they're outscoring foes in the first 30 to 7, being outscored in the third, I mean, the second 30 to 17, outscoring foes in the fourth 50 to 14. So these guys come out of the locker room very strong. 
So uh, we definitely going to have to play four quarters. If there was ever a game where we have to play four quarters, this is the game, okay? Because uh, they seem to start fast, fade, come out strong, and then in the fourth, outscoring foes by 1.17-16. So they almost are in a similar boat to you showing away. Except for instead of a half, it's like a quarter. This is very interesting. This is very, very, very interesting. Um, and it's worked for them. But that's, I mean, you're outscoring for about 23 in the first, getting outscored by 13 in the second, and outscoring them by 36 in the third. Like, it's, this team varies by quarter. Uh, that, that's very interesting. So, it's paramount UCO plays four quarters because they might be able to win just off that alone. And they're able to have sustained drives all four quarters, get points all four quarters. I'm able to win this football game without having to do anything over the top, okay? Uh, leading passer offensively is, and we pull up the roster here, is uh, 6'5", 210 sophomore Luke Sampson. On the season, 64.2% percentage, 960 yards, 9 touchdowns to 2 picks, 240 yards again passing. The leading receiver is Jaden Stoshak. What a great name. Um, six foot 190 senior. He has... 16 catches for 293, three touchdowns, long of 62, 73.2 yards a game. Then their second leading receiver in terms of catches is Akeem Gilmore, six foot 202. He has here 13 catches, a buck 55, one touchdown, 38.7 yards a game. And then they have, or they have Ezekiel Lang back. I think he was one of the better receivers last year. Um, and then they have Deontay Campbell. He sounds new. And he is a tight end, 6'4", 244, Juco at a Highland College. That was where, is that where Darius is from? Darius Tariq, one of them is from, from Highland. Okay, cool. Uh, he has... Nine catches, a buck 62, one touchdown, 40 and a half yards a game. So the receiving core doesn't seem all that tall. I need to see what Ezekiel Lang is again. He is 6'4". Okay, so they have one tall receiver of note. The rest, I feel like we're by the first time this season. Well, I think we kind of matched up well in terms of size against against Emporia, but like I really feel confident in how we match up size wise against the main receivers. So uh, that's that's definitely a positive. Then looking here, leading rusher is Anthodius, 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 Anthodius Ashley. I'm hoping I'm saying that man's name right. Uh, he is a 5'10", 205 Juco running back from Saddleback, averaging 
four and a half, four point six yards a carry has a buck, forty six, one touchdown on the season, thirty eight and a half, thirty six and a half yards a game. Excuse me, a long of fifteen, and then the second leading rusher is Javion Marlowe, who is a 5'11", 178 Vandy transfer. Okay. Uh, he is averaging 3.9 yards a carry on 110 on the season on 28 carries. 3.9 yards a carry, one touchdown along a 17, 27 and a half yards a game. Okay, they don't, they don't really wow you. These these numbers are not are not wowing you. And again, I said that. I said they like Kansas State, right? Most numbers don't wow you. They're just a really good, hard nosed football team. Um, so offensively, I think UCO kind of matches up well. Um, not offensively. I mean defensively. I think they match up well. I think. This could be the best game from a coverage standpoint we've had since Kearney. Um, I'm hoping that 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 that's the case. Uh, 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 <clears throat> excuse me. I know it's going to be tough. They like to also kind of have long sustained drives, so I feel like we match up well there. Looking defensively for the Lions, their leading tackler is Colton Winder. Linebacker 6'2", 230, senior, leads the way. 38 tackles, <clears throat> two and a half TFLs, one sack, one breakup, one forced fumble. Then they also have a secondary player, Halladid Digibril. I hope I'm saying that man's name right. 6'1", 195, Washington State transfer. 32 tackles, three TFLs, one pick, one breakup. Okay, so the fact he has three TFLs, it means he's in a Mosley role where he plays close to the line. Uh, if that's the case, keep an eye out on him. They do, they they don't have anybody that has more than a single sack on the season. So that's kind of spread out a little bit, I would say. Um, in terms of interceptions, they have three that have one. There's Digibril, there's Peyton McKee. Peyton McKee is six foot two hundred redshirt freshman defensive back. He's also got where are we at here? He's got uh fifteen tackles too. And then they've got Irvin Hawkins, who is a 5'10", 168, Sam Houston State transfer. So could have been a former teammate of Amante Davis. He's got five tackles and a pick. Um, they do have a recovery from Jerome Young Jr., who ran it 60 yards. Who is this Jerome Young Jr.? What a great name, by the way. He is a 6'2", 238 sophomore defensive end, I'm guessing. So, again, I, they know it does not wow you. Like, they're, they're a good – basically what they are is they're a good, solid football team. They're not flashy. They execute at a high level, it seems, basically based on quarter. 
And they fight for four quarters. Disciplined football team. Plays hard. Doesn't quit. And again, you can win a lot of games. You can win a lot of games doing that. Again, see Kansas State. They, they do not wow you. Right? They won the Big 12 last year. Now, I know they lost to Missouri. They had a very good win over UCF last night. Right? Like, it's the... It's the it's the same thing. They they they're not going to wow you. No numbers jump off at you, but you look and they're three and one, and they're three and one for a reason because they play tough, disciplined football, execute at a very high high level, uh, and so you show again if they if we if we play the way we did offensively yesterday, that I know we can score the ball. Defensively, we're not playing as high-powered of an offense. Probably this is the weakest offense that we've played since Kearney. Okay? And and offensively, Kearney was probably our best game. So I'm thinking if if the coverage holds up enough for the front seven to get back there, we tighten up the run game, we control the edges, okay? This is a winnable football game. This is a this is a winnable football game. I'm guessing Dawson Hurd will get the start. I'm sure it's gonna be weird for the man playing against his his former team. All right. Like uh last time Missouri Southern played in Edmond is when Dawson Hurl threw the touchdown pass to win the game in the winning seconds. Uh so and we've lost to them two straight years. Yeah. Okay, so this is a team that has confidence against us. They know that they can beat us. Uh, I can tell you right now, they're going to want to make it an ugly football game. Okay, they're, they're, they're going to want to probably have long, sustained drives. They're, 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 going, they're going to want to limit our possessions as much as possible. I was suspecting to come out the gate strong based on the history so far this season. However, if UCO themselves can come out strong in the first quarter and then really turn if they can turn it on in the second, I'm like because if if they're outscoring foes in the third right now by uh, 50 to 14, that concerns me based on the fact that up until yesterday, we only saw UCO play in the second half really well against Missouri Western. Now, if they can build off what we saw yesterday, then I think this is a very winnable, winnable, winnable game. You hate to see, you almost have to say this is a must-win game. Like, you, you, you really, you're, I'm really close to saying that this is a must-win game because we go to Northwest after that. And, I, and, and Northwest, regardless of record, that's a tough place to play. You show historically in my time covering outside of the way it was 2017, they lost up there by three. Outside of that, it has not been pretty when they when they play down there in Marysville. So I feel like this is a must-win game if we at least want to keep Bo Hopes alive. Because here's the thing. If we beat Missouri Southern for homecoming, 2 p.m. kickoff, Richardson Stadium, I do plan to be there. Okay, if we win that game, we're sitting at two and three. Now, historically, you should have gotten to a bowl game with a seven and four record. Okay, after Northwest, we've got, to me, we've got three for sure winnable games and a four-game stretch. 
We've got Lincoln. I know that, that doesn't count for the standings, but that should be a win. Northeastern State should, should, should be a win. And Wasburn for senior day should be a win based on what I've seen out of them this season. Now, we go to Fort Hayes on the 28th. Very tough place to play. Last time there, 2021, UCL won that game 28-14, to 14, led the whole way. Our Fort Hayes, if they're healthy at that time, is going to be a very tough game. Okay? And the problem is we end the season at Pitt State. So if we want to at least get back to the postseason, feel like we have to win Saturday. This is a must-win game if we want to get back to the postseason. Because I feel like we can't afford more than one more loss if we want to get back to a bowl. Okay, because we know last year we didn't get it at six and five. Kearney got it at seven and four. So yeah, we we, we kind of can only afford one more loss. So uh we need to win Saturday, hoping we build off what we saw yesterday and what we saw in the second half against Missouri Western. Cause I feel like, especially after the past six quarters of football, this team is close. This team is really, I'm talking like 85% close. So if they can close that gap, we get that last 15% on Saturday. Uh, the rest of the season, uh, who, who, who knows? Who knows what happens? Uh, looking at the scores from yesterday's games, Missouri Western did beat Fort Hayes 28-7 uh, up in St. Joe. Kind of surprised it was that lopsided. Picked a little bit more, but then Fort Hayes probably also had a letdown because they beat North Northwest. Uh, Northwest got back to 500, beating Lincoln 59 to nothing. I need to see that box score because I did say they didn't win that game by at least 28 points. They had some problems there. I need to see the box score. Oh, there's 305 rushing and then throwing in a show. Oh, oh. Oh, oh, the numbers is bad. Oh, oh, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah, that, that, that got bad in Marysville, boy. They, Lincoln has seven first downs, two by penalties. They had five earned first downs. They had they had two yards rushing. <laughs> they had two yards rushing on 25 carries, average 0.1 yard. <laughs> oh, that's bad. They had 51, but then lost 49. They only had 48 yards passing on 8 of 26. Wow. On 8 of 26, one interception. This right here is the worst I see. I know Northeastern State against Kearney last, no, against Northwest last year had negative yards rushing. It was very bad. But this here, Lincoln ran 50 plays. They had 
51 yards of offense. <laughs> They legit averaged one yard a play and lost a fumble. That's bad, man. They had 10 punts for 354 yards. They were were one of 14 on third. That's bad. That's so bad. Oh, one off field goals. So they could have avoided a shutout. Oh, that's unfortunate. That's, that's, uh, that's, uh, that, that's, wow. That's bad. Leading passer, four for 10, 37 yards interception. Leading rusher, uh, six for seven. (laughs) Oh, that's so bad. Leading receiver, two for 27. I mean, I give them credit. They did have, what is that? One, two, three. They did have four TFLs. I'll, I'll, I'll give them that. They had a half sack. And that, that's, that, that, boy, that's, that's tough. That's, uh, that, okay. Well, I'm not surprised. I, I, I really, I'm not, I'm not. I just had to see what the box was looking like. Um, Oh yeah, here Central Missouri went up there and pick, pick a Kansas, beat the brakes off Washburn fifty-eight to twenty-eight. This is why I say Washburn a winnable game. They fall to one and three. They only win against Lincoln. Uh, they were down at the half. It was like thirty-four to fourteen. They just got banned for them. Central Missouri had 31 first downs, 282 yards rushing, 12.3 yards of carry, 237 yards passing, five touchdowns, only nine incompletions. Gave you still run for that money, 659 yards of offense. Oh, uh, yeah, and poor your Jazz, I mean, not Washburn, Jazz, not that good of a football team. I just, yeah, that's, that's, yeah. So, um, again, that should be a winnable game. That's senior day. Need to win that game. Got some of the seniors out right. Uh, again, we mentioned Missouri Western against Fort Hayes. We know what happened to UCO. We know what happened to Northeastern State. Pitt State beat Kearney 33-14. to I think Kearney falls to 1-3 as well. Kearney had lead at the half. They're up seven to three at the half, and then outscored thirty to seven in the second half. Mainly twenty-one to seven in the fourth. Ah, oh, tough, tough out there for Kearney this year. Uh, looking at the games next week, you got Northwest and Central Missouri. Oh, I'm telling you right now, Northwest could lose that football game. Northwest could very well lose that football game. As a one p.m. kickoff. Missouri Southern UCO 2 p.m. kickoff Richardson Stadium. Pitch Day at Northeastern State on there in Telecorp for homecoming 2 p.m. kickoff. Washburn at Kearney, very interesting game. I give Kearney the lead in that game. They should probably win that game. 2 p.m. kickoff. Emporia at Missouri Western, 4 p.m. kickoff. Emporia. 
Employers should win that game. Should. Um, uh, yeah. I mean, they... Well, I... Missouri Western has a chance. I feel like Emporia pulls that out, though. I'm sure they probably want to play better than what they did yesterday. And then you got Ford Hayes hosting Lincoln Champion kickoff Hayes, Kansas. About to be bad, boy. That's about to be bad. Looking at the standings here, Pitt State sitting at 4-0, Emporia 4-0, top dogs in the conference. Then you got Central Missouri 3-1, Missouri Southern 3-1, Missouri Western 3-1, Fort Hayes 2-2, Northwest 2-2, UCO 1-3, Kearney 1-3, Wasburn 1-3, then Northeastern State 0-4. Member Lincoln is not a member, an official member this year, conference standing-wise, because they're leaving for the Great Lakes. But they did not count on the conference standings, but they are also 0-4 as well. So again, hoping we see a win Saturday. I find this is a this is a must-win game. Uh, again, I was very pleased by what we saw out there. There's still some things to clean up. If, if we can just get that last little bit cleaned up, we could still salvage the season. Did I go back to, was it 20? Was it 2017? They were like one and three and then rattled off a bunch of, no, I know, I know in, 20, in 2018 they were. They were one and three, rattled off six, with six and one down the stretch, okay? I don't see why this team could not do the same. I, I truly don't. The talent is there. I feel like we're getting close. We connect on those deep shots in the past game, right? We we, we get some things fixed. We, capitalize. we we don't put ourselves in a bunch of must-have fourth downs, right? Defensively, we get more consistent in coverage. Like, this team is close. This team is close. We just... Need to see it put together Saturday, Missouri Southern Richardson Stadium. So I'm looking forward to, to being there. Um, again, we hope they get a win. If they do, we get post 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 game. Shout out there to the soccer team. I saw they beat was it Rogers State 2-0, 3-0. Shout out there to head coach Mike Cook. I know volleyball had a tough loss to Pitt State, I believe, but still. Very good, very good program down there. Um, so, looking forward to it. <clears throat> we just, we just got to keep fighting. I, I, that's the message. Is just keep, keep fighting. The guys did that. They should be proud of the way they fought. Okay, and, and they, they should take the progress and continue to build upon it. Because again, there's still a lot of ball left. They can still reach the postseason in terms, in terms of of a, of a bowl. Okay, and they can still post back-to-back winning records for the first time since 2017-2018. So, lot to play for still. Hope we continue to see progress. Hope we continue to see a good offensive output Saturday. So, until that time, my name is Jonathan Goodo, a.k.a. J.G. Smooth. I'll talk to you all later.